One of the many things that I love about our church is um, how we, uh, because of the relationships that we have uh, with other churches, that we partner together with them. Um, because ultimately, we're all in this together. We're all trying to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a city that desperately needs it. Uh, tonight, we are going to kick off uh, a brand new series entitled Faith. And if we haven't met, uh, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the members of the teaching team here. And, uh, you know, faith is one of those words that we talk about it a lot as Christians. We throw it around. We sing about it. Uh, we read about it. We listen to sermons about it. But so oftentimes we, we don't stop and actually think about kind of what faith is is? What does it mean to have faith? What does that look like? How does that change our lives? How does that change the way uh, that we live day in, day out? Maybe what do you do when you hit that bump in the road and you're kind of questioning your faith and, and you're wondering whether or not it's worth it? You're wondering whether or not you should keep going and whether or not this whole faith pursuit is, is worth it. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series over the next two weeks. And, and you might be here tonight, and you might not be a Christian. And if you're here, I am so glad you're here. We're honored to have you here. And one of the reasons that I'm so excited you're here is that when we do a series like this, a series that really is aimed at people who have said, you know what, I am trusting Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection as, as the payment for my sins and as my only hope of being right with God. When we talk about uh, series like this, it gives you an opportunity to see what it is that Jesus invites you to. Because maybe for you, you hear faith and immediately uh, the image that comes to mind is that faith is a crutch. That faith is something for people who don't have anything else. That, that faith is for the weak. That faith is just about blindly believing these truths, even though uh, they don't really make sense sometimes intellectually. And so if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here because what we're going to talk about tonight, what we're going to look at next week is an invitation. This is what you have been invited to if you will trust Jesus as your Savior. Now, you might be here tonight and you might say that, you're, you know what, I'm a Christian, but you've bumped up against some hard times. Your marriage kind of hit the rocks, a relationship that was really important to you or a friendship that was important to you kind of came undone. You lost your job. You had kind of a fallout financially. One of your kids uh, kind of went wayward and walked away from God altogether, made a mess of their life. And you're kind of at a place where you would just, if you were honest, you'd say, you know what, I, I'm just, I'm not where I once was. Faith, it, it used to be important to me, but it's not something that's as important to me anymore. I'm not even really sure what I believe. Or maybe you're here and you wouldn't say that. Maybe uh, you've kind of grown up and, and you've never really had a crisis of faith, so to speak. That faith has always been a part of your life. Faith is something that it's just, it's almost unshakable for you. That you've had some bumps and you've had some hiccups along the way. And you may have even had a, a season of life where you've doubted. But for you, faith is just kind of, it's something you just keep coming back to. And regardless of where you might fall on that spectrum. What we're going to talk about tonight and next week is so incredibly important because it's going to anchor us and help us to understand a little bit more about faith. And when it comes to faith, it's interesting, I think, that, that we talk about faith a lot, but we rarely stop and ask the question, what is faith? 
In fact, if we were to go around the room and, and we were to have a conversation with every single one of us and say, what is faith? How do you define faith? There's a good chance that we'd have a lot of different definitions of faith, which is actually a good thing because when you read through Scripture, you see that, that this idea of faith, that it's used and it appears in a myriad of ways. Now, we've got two weeks to talk about this. There's no way in two weeks that we can talk about everything there is to talk about when it comes to faith. And I want to make sure that we get off on the, on the same page together. So when we talk about faith, uh, here's what we mean. This is going to be our definition of faith for this series. That faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. Faith is about confidence. Confidence is something that leads us not just to believe something intellectually, but it actually leads us to act. It changes the way we live. How many of you, and hopefully all of you, how many of you wore a seatbelt on the way here tonight? Okay. Why did we wear a seatbelt? Okay. If you're like me, you've been fortunate. You've, you've not been in a, in a major car accident, and yet I always wear my seatbelt. Why? Because I have confidence that if I am in a crash, that the likelihood of, of being kept safe is much greater if I wear my seatbelt. Faith is about confidence. It's not just something we think about. It's not just a set of truths that we believe. Faith actually changes the way we live. Faith gives us confidence, and that confidence uh, revolves around two things. First, that God is who he says he is. That he's the all-powerful, sovereign, all-knowing, all-wise God and creator of the universe. That he's good, that he's holy, that he's just, and that he's perfect. That through Jesus Christ, he has made a way for people to find their way back to him. That he pursues them relentlessly, like we sang about. That through his relentless love, he goes out and he saves people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and he brings them back to himself for his own name and for his own glory. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. That he's, tr that he's trustworthy. That he can be trusted to come through for us. That when God says, I'm going to do something, that it's as good as a promise. It's going to happen. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do, including remedy the problem of sin in this world. See, way back in the beginning, our creation was fractured by sin. And when sin entered the picture, so did death. So did decay. So did a break in every kind of relationship. We were separated from ourselves so that we could no longer uh, even understand what our true identity was and to, to live out of our true identity. We were separated from other people. There was a, a, a distance between us and we were separated from God. That with sin came a break in every kind of relationship. And so God did not look down and say, that's it, we're going to start over. He looked down and he said, I'm going to do something about that. And so he sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died a substitutionary death upon the cross. And when Jesus rose from the grave, 
when he experienced a bodily resurrection, he got a new body. He wasn't just resuscitated. It wasn't just his spirit. He was given a new body. And that guaranteed that the future victory was secured. That one day, God was going to make right everything that's wrong when this with this world. See, faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. So the question then becomes, okay, so what does it look like day in, day out to live with that kind of faith? And that's what we're going to look at with the time that we have remaining tonight. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Or if you have a smartphone uh, and you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can navigate there to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, what we're going to look at here is one of the most well-known passages of Scripture uh, when it comes to this idea of faith. And what we're going to see tonight is not so much a definition of faith as it is a description of faith. That the writer of Hebrews is going to show us this is what it looks like to have faith. This is what it looks like to live by faith. He's going to paint a picture for us, so to speak, of a life that's lived by faith. And he's going to do this by highlighting examples from the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament, he's going to go through and he's going to talk about the way that, that some of the well-known uh, people in the Old Testament demonstrated faith in God. And his point in doing this, both for his first century readers and for us to, tonight, his point is not to hold these people up onto a pedestal and to say, wow, look how awesome these people are. You should try really hard to be like them. That's not his point. His point is simply to say, that this is what a life of faith looks like. This is what it looks like to have confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. So we're going to pick this up in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay, so right off the bat here, he's clued us into something that's critical to understand about faith. That faith is future-oriented. That faith is about having assurance and confidence in what's coming one day. And we know that what's coming one day is a reality because, for those of us living on this side of the cross, because of what Jesus did. But even way back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, there were people who understood, albeit uh, not in the same way that we do, but they understood, they looked to the future, and they recognized that there was more to this life than just what they saw right in front of them, that God was going to do something greater. A day was coming when he was going to set right everything that's wrong. And one of the I guess I'll just call it realities of living in our day and age, in our era, and in particular in our culture here in America, is that we really do have it pretty easy. Most of us didn't wake up this morning wondering whether or not we were going to have food to eat. We didn't wake up wondering whether or not we were going to have somewhere to live. Occasionally, we run into hardships, but the reality is that for us as Americans, we live a life of relative 
comfort, and ease. It's not a bad thing. In fact, praise God for that. But one of the things that it does is it, it deadens our senses to something we see over and over and over again in the New Testament. And that is that, that ultimately when it comes to faith and the hope that faith brings, it's not a hope that's rooted in the present. It's a hope that's rooted in the future. It's not a guarantee that everything is going to turn out the way we want today. It is a guarantee that everything is going to turn out for the best one day. And that's hard for us to think about because honestly, if you're honest, it's hard to imagine life being much better. And if you can imagine that, it's probably around some sort of a kind of material thing that you don't have. And again, nothing wrong with that. Praise God for it. But think about it. We even have a, a social media hashtag for this, right? So you're, you're watching Netflix and your internet keeps going out, and so it keeps buffering, and you're losing your connection, right? And so you go onto social media, and you complain about the fact that your internet keeps going out. Hashtag first world problems, right? Because we understand at some level that, yes, it's an inconvenience according to modern standards that we've come to accept here in America, but the reality is that for most of us, our lives here and now are pretty good. But it's not that way in many parts of the world. It wasn't that way for the first century recipients of this letter. They were dealing with hardship. They were possibly facing persecution. And in the midst of that, the writer of Hebrews doesn't tell them, hey, hang in there, it's going to get better right now. He points them and us to the future. He says that faith is about confidence and insurance that the things we hope for, the things we want to happen, that we want God to make everything right, that someday that is going to happen. So he goes on, verse 2. This, this kind of faith, this active faith, is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abraham excuse me, Abel, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So if you uh, have any background at all in church or if you just like Russell Crowe movies, you probably know the story of Noah. Okay, so here's a guy, and uh, one day God shows up to him, and, and Genesis chapter 6 doesn't tell us uh, how God tells him this. Uh, God shows up, though, and he says, look, I want you to build an ark. I want you to get your family on it. I want you to get the animals on it, and I want you to get ready because I'm about to wipe out the rest of the world with a catastrophic flood. We're going to kind of do a reset here, okay? Now think about it. Noah doesn't have the benefit of an extended forecast, he doesn't even have the benefit 
of Scripture to look back on, to see all the ways that God, this God, this Yahweh, has been faithful in the past. And so, you know, what is he thinking in that moment? And yet, and yet he does what God asks him to do because he's confident that this God, what he knows about him, that this God is who he says he is and that he is going to do what he says he will do. And he saves his family. Now we come to probably the most well-known example of faith in the Old Testament. It's Abraham. And and we're going to read here, and it's going to be a little longer than what we normally read, but I want you to just listen to this. I want you to listen for Abraham's, uh, the way that he demonstrates confidence in God, in both the person and the ability of God. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Again, faith oriented towards the future. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who'd made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They were looking to the future. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So the, the story there in those last couple of verses is from Genesis 22. Uh, God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to take Isaac, this son that, that you've been promised, this son that I've told you through this son, uh, I'm going to give you descendants as numerous as the stars, this son that you waited well past your childbearing years to have. I want you to take your son and I want you to go up and sacrifice him to me. Now we look at that and in, in our mindset here in the 21st century, we think that sounds totally ludicrous and, um, because it is. But you have to understand the context. In the ancient Near East, it was not unheard of for the gods to require a sacrifice of a child, especially a firstborn. You see it uh, throughout the Old Testament that Israel is told, you are not to participate in sacrificing your children the way the nations around you do. And so God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to go and sacrifice this son that you've been promised. Now, we got to be careful, I think, to not make Abraham 
into some sort of superhero of the faith. Okay, this is just my opinion. Okay, this is Bible's over there, me over here. But I got to think as a father and as a human being that when God came to him and said, I want you to go and sacrifice your son, that as, as they went up the mountain, as they gathered the wood, as he tied his son down, that at some level he was doubting and questioning God because he didn't see how it was going to all work out. See, faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is pressing into God in the midst of doubt. And if you're here tonight and and the thing that is keeping you from becoming a Christian or the thing that has pushed you away, that has caused you to put your faith on the shelf, if it's doubts, if it's questions, then Jesus invites you to do what we talked about in our last series, to just simply follow him and to bring those questions and to bring those doubts to him and to walk alongside him and to journey in a relationship with him. And as you grow in your faith and trust in him, you may not get all your questions answered. Your doubts may not totally go away, but you will discover something. You will discover that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. So here's Abraham. He's got the knife. He's ready to kill his son. And the angel of the Lord says, stop, don't do it. Now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you revere God, that you honor God, that he is of utmost importance to you. Abraham acted in a way that demonstrates that he believed that God is who he said he is and that he would do what he says he would do. Now, we don't have time to, to go through the rest of the chapter. You can, I encourage you to read it for yourself. But, but if you read on, what you're going to find is there's going to be numerous examples of people in the Old Testament who demonstrated this same kind of faith in God. And what you find, one of the common threads amongst them is not that they all had a life of ease. In fact, it was just the opposite that they actually, because of their faith, faced quite a bit of hardship. See, faith is not a golden ticket to an easy life. Nowhere are we guaranteed that by having faith, everything is going to turn out the way we want. See, when, when our marriage or our friendships, when they kind of come up against a rocky time, we don't know how it's going to turn out. But in that moment, God is saying to us, listen, I just want you to trust me. I want you to, to, to just grow through this. I want you to, to hang on as long as possible. I want you to, to look for what I'm doing through this difficulty. When our kids are kind of wayward and they've rebelled and they've gone away, it's so tempting to try and, and exert control and try to bring them back. And yet God is saying, I want you to just trust me. When we're in a conversation with someone who's not a Christian and we're, uh, we know we ought to share our faith, we know we ought to say something, but we're scared. We're scared of, of saying the wrong thing. We're scared of, of looking foolish. We're scared that we might mess it up. God is saying to us, I want you to trust me because salvation is something that, that I bring about from start to finish. And your responsibility is not to save the other person. That's what I'm going to do. Your responsibility is to simply be a messenger, to bear witness 
to what I've done in this world, to bear witness to what I've done in your life. See, it is so easy to get caught up in our circumstances and to think that unless we get rid of our circumstances, unless everything gets better, then we can't really have faith. But every single moment of life, regardless of how good or bad our situation might be, is an opportunity for us to demonstrate our faith in God. And you know, the reality is that for most of us, We're only going to have kind of one or two big moments in our lives. Moments where we just know that God is about to do something that is incredibly big and we're going to have to trust him. But faith is not simply about waiting for and looking for those moments and then having faith in those moments. Faith is about having confidence in God in the midst of a thousand ordinary moments. That it's the ordinary day-in, day-out routines that God actually uses to grow us in our relationship with Him. And if we think that faith is simply about doing something big, or if we think that faith only plays a role when we're making what seems like a life-altering decision, then we're missing out on the invitation that Jesus gives us to come and have life with him, to have life to the full, and to realize that even in the mundane, ordinary, day-to-day tasks, God can use those to grow our faith in him. So let me ask you, what is it in your life, what is the area or the thing where you struggle the most to trust God? And maybe as we were talking, as we started talking about this, you just knew because you're in one of those big life-altering moments for you. And you just, you knew what you had to do. But I got a feeling that most of us are not in that place right now. In fact, most of us are just wondering if this same day-after-day routine is all that there is going to ever be. And if that's where you're at, what is the area? Because we all have them. What is the area of your life where you're holding on to that and you're saying, no, God, I'm not going to let you have that. I'm not going to give that to you. I'm going to hold on to that. And what would it look like for you this week to begin to release your grip on that, to take a step towards God and to say, God, I I don't know how it's all going to work out, but but I'm going to trust you. Maybe it's a, a conversation you need to have, a phone call you need to make. Maybe it's something you need to avoid, a decision you need to make to stop doing something. Maybe it's a choice you need to make to start doing something. What is it in your life? What is that area that you're holding on to? And what would it look like for you this week to take a step towards God and to open your hand and say, God, I'm scared. I don't know how this is going to all work out, but I want to begin to demonstrate that I have confidence in you, that you are who you say you are, and that you will do what you've promised to do. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you that everything's going to turn out the way you want. I'm not going to promise that. Because faith is not a guarantee that, that everything in our lives turns out the way we want. And we struggle with that. In fact, when we face hardship, our tendency is to turn and go the other way and to try to get out of the situation. But when we do that, we miss out on what God wants to do in and through us. 
and in and through the circumstances in which we find ourselves. See, faith does not mean that our circumstances will end up exactly the way we want. But that's okay. Because in the end, we are going to get something better than that. We're going to get something better than whatever it is we think we want. Listen again to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, the reward of seeking God in faith is not that you get what you want out of life. The reward of seeking God in faith is that you get God himself. That even in the midst of your circumstances, as bad as they might be, you have the peace and comfort that comes from knowing that your heavenly Father loves you and that He's with you and that He's given His Holy Spirit to empower and sustain you, that through His Son, you are in a right relationship with Him and that one day, a day is coming when all that's wrong in this world will be made right. And in that moment, you will realize that you have gotten something better than whatever it is that you want right now. That you have gotten God, and nothing is better than that. Heavenly Father, um, would you help us to take that last truth and to move it from our heads and into our hearts? Because it's so much easier to talk about that, to believe that you're enough. It's so much easier to talk about faith and demonstrating faith than it is to actually go out and live that way. I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage this week to just take that first step, to start to open our hand and to let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to. And Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his perfect life, his sacrificial death upon the cross that we remember now in communion. We thank you for the the bread that represents his broken body. We thank you for the blood that represents Jesus, the cup, that represents Jesus' blood poured out for us. Father, as as we take the bread, as we drink the juice, would you remind us once again that we're living in between that we're living in a world where you've already secured the future, but you've not yet made that a reality. We look forward to that day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.